Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Children are dismissed to Children's Church. Father, we ask a blessing on Children's Church. We thank you that your presence is there and you have plans. And Lord, we lift to you this time. I ask uh, really the same thing we prayed for the youth. Lord, I ask you that um, you would restore, as Pastor Teresa said, that you would restore a sense of destiny everywhere it's been trampled on. That you would remind us that we are a people of hope this morning and establish a season. Lord, I ask that um, this morning, even starting now, that you are establishing um, our Christmas season according to your, your ideas, according to your plans. Uh, we want to join into what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so as, as I said, um, I, I began praying about the Christmas probably about a month ago because the truth is I'm, um, I'll just be really transparent and say it's often hard for me to be a holiday preacher. Um, I kind of run with the fire God puts in my heart and then the holidays come and, and you're, you're kind of mandated. I mean, you, you don't teach about warfare during Christmas time or whatever. So, you <laughs> so I started praying over about a month ago and he, he gave me one scripture um, is where this all begins. And I don't have a bulletin. And I don't have... No, I do. I do. He gave me this one scripture. And I think it's even just part of a scripture. It's, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And so that's part of Isaiah's Christmas prophecy, right? That's part of the same chapter that's up here on our Christmas banners. Um, of course, I started kind of going, well, all right, that's a starting place, but... What are we going to do with, like, what do you want me to do with that? Uh, and I began praying about Advent specifically, and, and that's what we're going to kind of do. So this morning, starting, I'm going to begin um, talking about Advent um, and, and talking about his establishment of a government, okay? Now, to do that, I'm going to ask you, go ahead and open to the first chapter of John, Okay. Did you know that the first chapter of John is a Christmas chapter? Yeah, you, you kind of know that, but do you always think of that? Like every time you're reading there, do you think of it as a Christmas chapter? It really is. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It actually, and this is a new revelation for me. I did not notice that before preparation for this year. It's a parallel to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're, we're going to take a look at that um, I'm going to start by just beginning to read here, okay? Um, and I'm, I don't know why, but I'm starting in verse 6. We could have started in 1, but here it says, There was a man sent from John, who, uh, I'm sorry, let me start again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, so that's what we're doing here. That's what he's writing. He's writing a witness of something, to bear witness of the light that through him, um, that all through him might believe. Okay, so we're speaking of Jesus, and it begins by talking about light. You all know this, I know. He was, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. 
Okay, verse 10. And we're just going to work our way through this, and I'm going to stop and point things out. Verse 10 he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own. Now listen, that's speaking of, of Israel, right? He came to his own um, and his own did not receive him. Now, now here's why we're really reading this. Um, the next part here, just next, it says, but as many as receive him, to them he gave the right, now I'm going to keep reading, but who gets the right? To as many as receive him, okay? To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Now I'll tell you something, um, we are beginning to talk about government here, okay? Um, the word right is a government word. And we're going to dig at this a little bit this morning. Um, you know, rights are granted by a government. Do you get that? And, and here's the thing. Through December, we're going to be talking about his government. And we're going to find out, you, you, some of you may have noticed this before. It's kind of new for me. I'll just put that out there. I'm noticing that, that the Christmas prophecies, the witness of Christmas, and many other verses talk about his government. Part of his idea in laying it down, you know Jesus laid it down twice? The first time he laid it down, he laid down the divine attributes to become a baby and live here and grow up into a man, a spirit-filled man, who would walk out a destiny of his own. Fully God, fully man. But the word of God is very clear. He laid down the divine abilities, the divine attributes, and walked as a spirit-filled man. And then what's the second time he laid it down? He went to the cross, right? Um, so his destiny was to lay it down again. Crazy love, crazy love. But right here it says, as many as receive him, he gave the right. A right is a government thing. Do you know what rights are for? We're Americans, we should know. <laughs> it's an American Christmas. We have rights. <laughs> rights are granted by a government because they're your guarantee of freedom. Now this is talking about, and, and that's just universally true. Rights are only given by whatever government, whatever ruling system that you live in gives rights to guarantee freedom. And this says that, that, uh, that for as many as receive him, he gives the right <laughs> to become the sons and daughters of God. That's a big right. That's a lot of freedom. His is the only kingdom where every citizen is a member of the royal family. Okay, there's all kinds of citizenship. Um, his is the only one where we have sonship. Even the daughters have sonship. In fact, there's no such thing as a citizen of the kingdom of God who is not the beloved sons and daughters of God. We have the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Okay, I'm just going to keep working through this and it's going to lead us somewhere. Verse 13 um, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, born of the will of God. Okay? And the word became flesh. Here's Christmas. 
and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only, begot, uh, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I just want you to notice this, and I hope this makes sense to you, um, even though I'm going to have trouble even saying it. Full of grace and truth is a continuation of the previous thought. Okay, it's important to get that. It's um, the word became flesh. That's logos word. That's that's God word became flesh for this purpose. And I'm going to show you where we're still talking about government full of grace and truth. Now, verse 15, I'm going to keep reading. Verse 15, John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. Verse 16, and of his fullness, we've all received. Are you thankful for that? Of his fullness, we've all received what? Grace for grace. Now listen, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to show you something. Um, the law was given through Moses, right? So I'm going to tell you, there's two things. Let's talk about government for a minute. And I had to kind of look this up to make sure I was telling the truth. I had some ideas and whatever. But government really has one purpose, or it's supposed to. It's supposed to maintain the well-being of the people, right? Now, we have governments that are not good governments, and they don't accomplish that, or maybe they don't even try. But that's what it's supposed to be, Okay. And they, they do two things. They provide for the three things. They provide for the people, and then they secure. They provi it provides security or boundary for the people. And good governments provide development. That'd be the third thing. We want to develop you. We want the people of this nation to develop. Now, governments utilize two things to do it, right? Laws. And what are laws for? It's for order. For your own good. Laws establish order, and then there are rights. At least in some governments. Some governments have no rights, right? And then there are rights. Our right is to be of the children of God. But here it starts by saying, for the law was given through Moses, and they're, they're well acquainted with that. Then it goes on and says, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now listen, let's talk about grace and truth. I know we, we all think we have a handle on that, but you, grace is not mercy. We say, thank God for God's mercy, okay? Grace is the power to agree with the government of God. It's the ability to live according to his, to his ways, his government, and share in the things that are, that are that of the citizens. The word grace in the original language literally translates as power. Power for what? Power to agree with God. Power to live out of what's true, what is yours as a son of God. That's grace in the word of God. There's also mercy. <laughs> that, that's a real thing too, but this word is grace. Okay, and then the second thing here is um, truth. What does the word of God tell us that, um, about truth? It sets us free. It's the truth that sets you free. Now, now listen, I promise we're going to dig in the word of God, but listen to me. The truth sets us free. Rights are for the guarantee of your freedom. You got it? Do you know that you have to invoke your rights in any government? Let me give an example just in case somebody's smoking here. Um, brain smoking. <laughs> we don't allow smoking. <laughs> 
I'm already getting myself in trouble. Um, what am I talking about? <laughs> rights. You have to invoke them. Okay? So, like in the United States, we have the right to remain silent. Just because you have the right does not mean you will remain silent. Are you tracking with me? It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. As citizens, as sons of God, you have the right to be a son of God, which carries marvelous things we're going to talk about all this month. But do you know you have to invoke your rights? You choose into um, utilizing what is yours in Jesus. You tracking? Okay. All right, so he bring, Moses brought the law. Jesus brings the grace and the truth. In other words, we need a revelation. <laughs> we need a revelation. What, who am I as a son of God? What is mine so that you can invoke it and, and have it and live by what is yours? You want to live by everything that's yours? Then you got to have a revelation on what is yours. Okay, and we're talking government words. Now, I'm going to tell you one more thing before I move into Isaiah. Um, and this was really a revelation. I hope this blesses you like it did me. This is really the revelation I got through a lot of prayer. Because um, in my opinion, the, the Advent wreath is confusing. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry, it just is because it has like, um, well, let me read them. Because hope, love, joy, peace. Okay? You'll find it in five different orders. Sometimes you'll find where they throw out love um, and put faith in there instead. And I'm going to tell you, faith doesn't belong on it. That's, that's part of my revelation because I want to tell you what he show, he's shown me. The, the themes or the candles, the Sundays of Advent are the values of a kingdom. They are the values of a government that Jesus established when he came to Christmas. What he, what he did at Christmas was establish another kingdom, another government, and I'm going to show you that. He restored, he redeemed us into his government. It's in the prophecy of Isaiah. And these are the values. I'm going to tell you something. Faith is not one of them. Do you know that? Do you know what faith is? <laughs> she knows she has to live with me. Um, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Okay? Now, do you know that you can't make your own currency? In case you didn't, in any government. <laughs> you heard it here first if you didn't know that. I've been telling you to stop that. Quit making your own money. It'll get you in jail. You can't, you can't make your own currency. It's true about faith and the kingdom of God, too. The word of God explicitly says that faith is the gift of God. Do you know you can't conjure it? You can't make your own. And faith, now listen to this, faith is what you have to spend on the values of the kingdom that are established by his government. So whether we talk about this morning is hope, and I, I totally plan to get to hope. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Faith is what you have to spend on hope. Now listen, you can spend your faith however you... Um, he grants a measure of kingdom faith, um, but you also have will, and you, you can spend faith on things that are, that are not of his kingdom. How many of you know that as well as I do? Because you've done it. It doesn't work out well. But he grants faith to be spent on the values of the kingdom. 
Okay, and then um, I can't help myself. I'm going to tell you one more thing just so we're well-grounded here. I'm going to show you in the Word of God, but I'm going to tell you that the values of, king, of the kingdom, hope, love, um, what are the values of the kingdom? Peace, joy, okay? And you probably find others, but the ones that man has nailed on Advent, um, <laughs> those values, um, it is the place where you exercise your will. Okay, how does this work? You know, the Word of God says you can do nothing apart from me. It is the power of the Spirit that fills you to participate in anything kingdom under Jesus, right? Always. So how does this work? Where, where does your will come into the equation? I'm going to tell you this is the place, okay? And I'm going, to, I'm going to prove it in the Word of God. This is where your will comes in. You use the will to choose to agree with the government of God and its values, that is your part. That's your active part. The government cannot force you to agree with its values. No government, ever. It, does, it just can't work that way. Not with humans, not the way God made you. You cannot be forced to agree with any government's values. They can execute laws on you and they can, they can give punishments and things when you don't, now, you know there's no punishment in the kingdom of God, right? So that wouldn't even work here, would it? This is a kingdom of freedom and light, and our will is where we choose into the values. What do you have to spend to choose in? Faith. Faith is what you have to spend. Okay. Go to Isaiah 9. Now, I'm going to tell you... I. Um, we're starting at the beginning of chapter 9, and I'm going to read a paragraph that's kind of like blah, blah, blah. And the reason, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I just want you to know that this is a, a chapter break here really doesn't make sense. Um, and we're in a context here, okay? And this just kind of picks up on the context. I could teach, it's fascinating if you study what I'm going to read, but I'm not going to teach on it. Um, starting in verse 1, it says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, I just want to tell you, the context here, so we're ending a long discussion of they are in, not in a good time. It's a hopeless period that leads to this next verse. And I'm going to remind you that what we're doing is paralleling, excuse me, paralleling the first chapter of the Gospel of John. I hope you see it like I did. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Are you starting to, the parallel, you can see it already, right? This, you see, this is the prophecy of what John witnesses happened, Okay. And it goes and says, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Now, I just got to put this out there for those of you that have a scholar bone in you. The shadow of death here, um, this, the land of the shadow of death, this is a physical place in Israel. In fact, it's the same one. It's a particular valley. It's the same one that G um, David spoke of in Psalm 23. And remember what we always say, Old Testament is a physical picture of the spiritual reality that you live in, a perfect picture of your spiritual reality, okay? It goes on, 
and says, uh, verse 3, you've multiplied the nation, and you're going to start hearing about other values here in Advent. You've multiplied the nation and increased its joy. There's value. We're going to talk about that, but not today. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. There's one value of his government. For you have broken... Now, now listen to the freedom here, okay? The next, this next portion is three individual freedoms or, or um, the release from three individual types of bondage that I'm not going to teach on. I'm just going to tell you that for context. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. Okay? A kingdom of freedom, freedom, freedom. <laughs> it's good news. Amen, Pastor Paul. That's such good news. <laughs> For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. I'm not even going to touch that, so we're not here for three hours. Now here it is, verse 6. The Christmas verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And just in case you think I've been stretching things so far, it says, in that context, this is the continuation of the same thought. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. In other words, the, you can see that two ways, and I think both are true. The government on his shoulder. One is he has the authority. He carries the authority of this kingdom, of this government. And the other is they literally, in their times, they literally wore the insignia of the authority of a government on their shoulder, kind of like a police officer wears a badge. But now here's what I want to tell you. This, this word government is so interesting. Um, it actually comes from, and I'm not good at pronouncing, so have a lot of grace with me, but it comes from the original word, um, I believe it's pronounced Mizra or Mizra, which, um, which comes from the root of the name Sarah, comes from the word Sarah, which means to prevail, okay? And it is the word that it is appropriately translated government, but I've got to tell you something that they would normally see that we don't. Its most literal translation is um, principality. So this, yeah, somebody already sees the insight. You see, it, you could read this, and the principality will be upon his shoulder. Can you think of other scriptures where you're familiar with the word principality being in it? Warfare. Warfare. It's Ephesians, right? It says what, um, we do not war against flesh and blood, but what do we war against? Against the principalities and the powers and the rulers of this dark age. You tracking? So, so listen, this is a prophecy, and we're going to see it as we keep reading, but this is a prophecy, part of Christmas, now, let me back up. It's the reason I started where I did in John is because it's so important. We're going to talk about government a lot. But if we get bogged down in government and you lose sight of the fact that his government begins with you having the right to be sons and daughters, then we'll miss it. It'll go, it'll go all wrong. <laughs> we'll get very focused. It's important to understand the government part. But, but if you lose how he delights in you, um, this will go AWOL. If you don't know that he's crazy about you and that's where his government starts, then um, we're sunk. 
it'll become legalism or religion or something, and, and that's worse than just leaving it alone. You, you tracking? <laughs> that's destructive. Okay, principality. Now, let me tell you, specifically, principality is a government led by a prince, and he came to overthrow an existing government, right? We war against a principality that's already here. Now, if you're a note taker, um, I'm going to give you, I'm not going to read them, but John 12 and verse 30 and 31, and John 14 and verse 30 and 31, I'm just going to talk about it. Both of these passages identify our enemy as the prince of this world and, and or in other places the prince of darkness. In other words, there is a principality here that has a voice and an authority and a power of its own. Christmas is about Jesus coming to establish a kingdom on his values based on his authority. He is the prince of light. He's the prince of a kingdom of light, the prince of a kingdom of freedom rather than darkness and bondage. I promise I am coming to hope. Okay, but before I do that, I have to do, well, let me finish. This Isaiah verse goes on and then it begins identifying him. You understand that in our time, it's a little different now, although not all that different. It's still kind of this way. Kingdoms really emanate from who leads it. I'm not even going to go, I'm not even going to touch or go anywhere there. <laughs> okay, let's just, let's just recognize that. So that's why it begins to identify, and it says, his name will be called Wonderful. He'll be called Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and here it is, the Prince of Peace. Now track with me. We are not breaking to a new verse. This thought continues and says, in this Christmas prophecy, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I'm sorry, I had to keep reading this. Uh, can't help myself. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, we've talked about that, and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Now here it is, listen, this is how he's crazy about you. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, everything you just read is going to be executed upon a certain zeal. Do you know how the word zeal, if it was translated just truly properly, literally translated, do you know how it translates? Jealousy. That this actually reads, the jealousy of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What's he jealous over? You. In other words, he's saying, this prophecy says he's up to here with another government having this influence, this bondage over you. I come as a baby to establish a government for you to be a citizen of. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. And this is going to lead us to hope. <laughs> Verse 11. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I'll read... I'll read clearly, and if you can turn with me, Ephesians 2.11, that's my fault. I'd make it almost impossible for our screen people to do a good job. <laughs> so um, give them a thank you on your way out. <laughs> T Teresa is a witness of this as well. Thank you for pointing that out right now. <laughs> 
No, it's good. We have fun here. We have fun here. Um, okay, now this is uncanny. And part of, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, there's nuggets of gold here. But I'm also showing you just clearly, I'm not stretching things. Government, the government of Jesus is all through this word once you see it. And this scripture, verse 11 says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands. That's a bunch of blah, blah, blah that says you're not a citizen. You once were not a citizen. That's the translation. That at this time you were without Christ. Now listen to these words. You can't make this up. You would think I made up this scripture in order to make something up to support, you know, as the good book says. You'd think I made this up. This is, this is the word of God. It says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth. It really uses that word. The commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. You know you're in a hopeless world. It was already talked about this morning. There is no hope out there, no real hope. <laughs> Commonwealth. You know the word commonwealth, the I, I know I'm using a lot of the original language. It's politia. It's the word we get our politics from, the things of government. You're invited into the government of Israel. You go from being aliens to being sons in the royal family in a government of freedom and light. Now listen, this scripture is even... Uh, more insightful than that because it goes and says, um, and you were once strangers from the covenants of promise. Now, listen, what are we talking about here? This is so good, it's crazy. The covenants of promise. And I just want you to think about Israel for a minute. There are certain marks of the chosen, the elect of God that are unique to his culture and his government. Okay, and there's more than one. I'm just going to, well, and actually it's, it's these kingdom values, okay? And so the first one, we're going to start talking about hope at this point, but I want you to think, think of Israel, what you know of Old Testament stories. What really makes them different from all other peoples is they are a people of destiny. Always, continuously, from the very beginning, from the moment they fall in the book of Genesis, God is already re writing a redeeming destiny in his kingdom, in his wealth. Okay? Always. They're, they're a people of destiny. God speaks a destiny. Who else is chosen? You are. You are grafted into Israel. Okay? That, that's how we get this election being chosen. You are chosen, you are appointed, and you're sent, exactly like Israel, because you're grafted in. He's a God of destiny. He speaks a word of your future. You see, now we're talking about hope. Hope is a future value. <laughs> hope is a future value. Having, having no hope and without God in the world. But now listen, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You're brought into destiny. And I mean that, I think it is so important that you understand that it is both communally, 
okay? You're brought into a destiny of an entire kingdom over the ages. You share in that. And every true, everything that is true about the nature of God is also true for you just intimately, personally with him. You are also brought into a spoken destiny that is yours that has everything to do with hope. Do you see why it's so important to understand that a core value of the government of God is that we're a people of hope? I think... We as individuals, we as the church, we as the chosen of God, when we start to lose a sense of destiny, we're really in trouble because we're moving out of the values of his kingdom. And remember that I said, um, it is the place where your will becomes active. I'm going to prove it, but I'm going to keep telling you this morning because it's important. It is the place where your will participates in the values of the kingdom of God. You have to choose hope. Do you recognize on its face that hope, in fact, there's a scripture, I should go to it. Hope is not something you need when you have everything you want and there's the fulfillment of everything. Hope is a value that necessarily operates when you're in the hopeless spot. <laughs> Hope is the value of the kingdom that operates when you're, when you're in the darkest place, when you're facing the most impossible thing. That's where this value of the kingdom operates. And it's by an act of your will. In fact, let me, let me read that. I don't want to tell you stuff without proving it. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. I give you that one. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You notice that's one of the values of the kingdom. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith. You got it? Your currency is your access. It's the gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't whip it up into more than you got. <laughs> it's your access. Into this grace, there it is again. You got it? The power to agree with his government and actually live by it, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. This is the place where I go, you got to be kidding me. Glory in tribulations. But then it says, why? Now listen to this. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now I never noticed this before, but what, what I got to point out, did you notice that hope is the climax? The kingdom of God is always upside down. You would think that hope would be at the beginning of the character development journey. We're walking out some character here. You would think hope would be at the beginning, wouldn't you? Hope was the climax. Being a people that dream because we know who God is. People that hold destiny no matter what you throw at me. Because I know, why can we do that? You see, our hope is not shakable. It's not like, man, the sermon is getting boring. I hope lunch is going to be good. That's a different kind of hope. This is an unshakable hope that says, I know him and so therefore, I know I have a destiny. Why? Because he speaks it over me. 
<laughs> That's the climax. Hope is the climax of character development. We're a people that says, you can't take my sense of destiny from me. And I love that, the, that our youth are in here today because, you know, more so, maybe it's not true, but it occurs to me like more so than ever, we live in a world that is dead set on taking the sense of destiny out of our kids. And that's not okay with us. These are the children of God. You have a destiny spoken that the world can't take because he's, he's delighted in you. He's crazy about you, and he speaks a destiny that is so good that you cannot imagine how good it is. And the world never gets to take that from you. You have the right to be sons of God. That carries a destiny, no matter what the world screams at you. <clears throat> All right. I want to show you something. I definitely want to show you something. Okay. Actually, I'm going to tell you a concept. I'm not going to have time, but I am not willing to let this go. Do you know that hope over and over and over? I'm just going to tell you. You're going to have to trust me and notice it when you read the word of God from now on. Hope is almost always connected with the mercy of the Lord. In the Psalms, in one place it says, and he shall strengthen your heart. Anybody facing something impossible, something dark and ridiculous, you, you need a little heart strength? Here's a promise. And he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. You see, it's a kingdom value that releases the Lord's ability to be on your behalf. You tracking? Another place it says, um, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. You see the mercy connection? Um, another place says, um, Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. You see, it's like a door opening. Anybody need mercy? You're facing something and you got a situation needs redemption? Well, he's good for it. But the door that opens so the Lord can let mercy be upon you is hope. It's spending the currency of faith where it says, I know how dark it looks. You think I don't know this is impossible? This thing that's happening to my family? <laughs> I can tell. I'm, I'm talking to families in this church lately. I'm like, wow, that is really dark. That is impossible. It's a good thing we got God. You know, it's a good thing that we know who he is so we have an unshakable hope. That, that attitude opens the door and lets his mercy into it. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. Um, what, I, <laughs> what I really want to do is show you how important the will is in terms of these kingdom values, starting this morning with hope, okay? Go to Psalm 42 and verse 5 with me. While you're turning there, this is David having a conversation with his own soul, okay? It's like where you do the self, I says to myself, self, now listen to me. Like that kind of a conversation. Literally, he's talking to his inner man. He's talking to self, and he says, why are you downcast? Did I give you the verse? Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? You see, he's talking to himself. 
<laughs> crazy. David was crazy. I can relate with him. And, and, but I, I'm going to put out there that he is not um, really asking those questions. Those are rhetorical questions where he's talking to his own soul. What's he doing? He's taking authority, his own will's authority over his own inner man. That's what you're reading. He's, he's going, you should read it like this. Why are you cast down? Why are you disquieted in me? Like, stop it. <laughs> That's what he's doing with himself. And then just next he says, hope in God. Now, the verb tense, this is a command. He's commanding his own soul. You see, it's an act of the will that says, I choose the values of this kingdom, and I don't care what you do to me. I am a person of hope. I have a good destiny because I'm the Father's son. I have a good destiny, and I hope in God. He's saying, soul, cut it out and hope in God. <laughs> now, listen, it goes on and says, for I shall yet praise him, for the help of his countenance. That's wordy. Do you know what the word countenance actually translates literally as face? Do you know where else you see this same word? It's in the blessing of the priest where he says, this is how you shall bless the priests. You remember you're all priests, right? You all have the ministry of reconciliation. And it's the, it's the, the verse we hang in our bathrooms and stuff where it says, um, it says um, may his face shine upon you. Now, what does that mean? His face, and before we just read in one of these that the eye of the Lord is on those who have the hope in him, right? His eye is on you. Lord, keep your eyes on me. That prayer is for me, and if it works for you, great. Keep your eye on me. Keep your face on me. Because face literally means his spirit-filled, powerful activity on your behalf. He's got his face on you. And when his presence when his face is on you, he's got it. He's got your destiny well in hand. You know, you don't have to fear your destiny. <laughs> so what did that say? He's commanding his soul, hope in God. For And then he makes a declaration of the will. For I will praise him for the fact that his face, his spirit breathed, his powerful activity is going to be on my behalf. He's spending the currency of faith here. By an act of his will, he's agreeing with the kingdom culture according to the governance of the kingdom of the Prince of Peace. And he's saying, I am a man of hope. When his soul, when his inner man disagrees, he says, shut up. <laughs> hope. Hope. <laughs> he's, he's commanding himself. I don't think you have this one either, but I'm feeling it. So you know the scripture that I always bring up in here, glory to glory, right? Okay, do you know how that scripture starts? That's, um, if you're a note taker and we can't put it up, that's, that's my fault, not theirs. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 is where this starts. And it says, therefore, since we have such a hope, <laughs> that's how it starts. That's all I want to tell you. <laughs> And it leads to, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
There's freedom, right? Freedom for what? But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, what? Now we're going to start talking about destiny, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You got it? It started with, since we have such a hope, we have a destiny. Hope is a destiny word. And we're really in trouble when we start to lose destiny. And, and we, we, Lord, fill us with the strength not to do this. Um, when we let our children not have good anticipation of destiny. I don't think I ever gave a, a, a definition. Do you know hope is, um, is the, the joyful anticipation of a great good? That's hope. <laughs> we even dumb the word down. We think hope is like, I might be able to survive this. <laughs> That's not hope. Hope is, is a joyful anticipation of a great coming good, of my destiny in Jesus. Go ahead, world, take your best shot. I've got an unshakable Jesus who speaks a destiny on my life, Period. We're a people of hope. It's something we use when we're in the hopeless place. Actually, I should read. It says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. You know, it's hope that makes you bold. When you're battered and beaten and you're on your last leg because of the darkness of this world, hope brings a boldness that leads to that destiny spoken. We're moving from glory to glory in the image of of the Prince of Peace, the Prince of this Principality. Now we're starting to talk. Now we're doing the Advent wreath. <laughs> I knew one year would come where I would enjoy this thing. <laughs> I'm just not into the religion. Like, well, it's time to light the candle now. Okay, all right, I'm going to wrap with this thought, and this thought is leading us to the Lord's table. Okay, actually, I'm going to start with the scripture. I did give you John 6, 61, right? No, boy, I did a terrible job this morning, didn't I? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay, everybody, make sure you give her a high five on your way out, because, <clears throat> okay. 61 says, and now this is Jesus speaking. Now I want to tell you, I should have read it. In fact, I'm going to. I didn't even put it in my notes. <laughs> He's talking about this table. Okay, this is where he starts to, he's talking to some folks. And he starts to talk like a crazy person. <laughs> he starts to say crazy things like, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. 
This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are yet dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, now here, he starts talking like a crazy person. That's the only one who holds the truth, and it offends them. They're like, this guy is nuts, okay? And it leads to, now I'm going to start reading it off of here. It leads to this conversation. This is in verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? And you know he ends up doing that, right? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Now, here's why we're reading this. I just needed you to have that whole context for what I'm going to read next. It says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Now, listen to me. When he's talking right there, he's talking about the rhema word of God. He's not talking about the stuff printed here. He's talking about the Spirit's voice to you. The fresh breathed for this moment, for today, word of God speaking to you. You know, he always has something to say to you. The only question is whether you're awake to his voice or not. And he says, my words are spirit and they are life. In other words, when he speaks... The authority of the, of the government of his kingdom is in the words. He does not speak a word that does not carry the spirit and the life of the kingdom to you. Now I'm bringing that up because, do you know, the world, the principality of this world, also has a voice. Do you know that? <laughs> In fact, it has, it has a screaming. It has a really loud voice. It's the voice that usually when we start to become a spiritual idiot, <laughs> we start to really like, like miss it and screw it up. You're listening to the spirit of this world. You're hearing the voice of another government. You're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a voice that screams another set of values. But you're a son of God. He's done what's necessary, and that's what's at this table. He's done what's necessary to give you the right to be of his government, to be a son of God, to be a daughter of God. <laughs> it's a competition of the voice, okay? And it is by an act of the will, like we read that David did. It is where our will participates. We do choose to spend our currency, our faith, on the values of his kingdom, starting with hope. Hope. 